Welcome back to New World Next Week. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. And I'm James Evan Pilato from MediaMonarchy.com. The administration will continue working with agencies to wind down the national emergency. We've got that story, plus the Green King's genetically modified everything. But first, Finland formally joins NATO, doubling the alliance's border with Russia. We take this story from Antiwar.com. Finland formally became the 31st member of NATO on Tuesday, officially ending Finland's post-World War II policy of neutrality and, of course, raising tensions between Helsinki and Moscow. Finland has today become a member of the Defense Alliance NATO. The era of military non-alignment in our history has come to an end. A new era begins, the Finnish presidency said in a statement. The ascension into NATO was completed during a ceremony attended by Finnish Foreign Minister Pika Havisto, Secretary of State Antony Blinken, and NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg. Finland joining NATO more than doubles NATO's territory that borders Russia. Moscow has said it will respond by beefing up its military presence in the region and will take more measures if other NATO countries deploy military assets to Finnish territory. A major motive for Russian President Vladimir Putin's decision to invade Ukraine was NATO's post-Cold War expansion and the alliance's cooperation with Kiev following the 2014 coup that ousted Ukrainian President Viktor Yanukovych. More on that in a moment. At the ceremony, Blinken appeared to say he was thankful that Putin invaded Ukraine because it motivated Finland to apply for NATO membership. Think about that. I'm tempted to say this is maybe the one thing we can thank Mr. Putin for because he once again here precipitated something he claims he wants to prevent by Russia's aggression, causing many countries to believe that they have to do more to look out for their own defense and to make sure they can deter possible Russian aggression going forward, Blinken said. Leading up to the invasion of Ukraine, Russia presented a list of security guarantees it wanted from the U.S. Chief among them was a guarantee that Ukraine would never join NATO, but the Biden administration refused to engage on the issue. After the invasion, now over a year old, Derek Cholette, a counselor to Secretary of State Antony Blinken, admitted that the administration made no effort at all to address Putin's concerns about Ukraine's possible NATO membership. Didn't even try. On its birthday, James, the NATO Secretary General says we will welcome Finland as the 31st member of our alliance. So yes, back in the good old days of Obama, Sia, and Biden overthrowing countries, Washington was behind Ukraine coup. Obama admits U.S. brokered a deal in support of regime change, February 3rd, 2015, from Global Research. And four years ago this week, James, I was just playing the classic episode on my stream. We told you right here on New World Next Week, episode 370, forget creepy, Biden has a major Ukraine problem. April 4th, 2019. James, I love the meme that folks made of you and I when we were hanging out in Japan. If I told you so, was a person. (laughs) James. Indeed. Well, what can we tell people about this Finland joining NATO? I guess... To try to make sense of this story, we could turn to the AFP, but then I guess the question would be, which AFP story should we believe? Because you can go to how Finland joining boost, uh, boosts NATO defenses against Russia, which starts by noting that Finland's membership of NATO adds a potent military to the alliance. Or you could turn to the AFP story, Finland and NATO, strategic shift with limited material gain, 
which starts by noting that the uh, the joining the ascension of Finland to NATO provides the coalition with limited additional military capacity, and then goes on <laughs> in great detail to talk about how Finland doesn't have much of a military anyway. Um, so anyway, well, okay, so what's the bigger point of this? The bigger point of this really is, okay, yes, NATO is expanding, NATO is using the crisis that it helped to generate in order to grow. Wow, big surprise. So Putin was successfully lured into that trap because he's a a strategic idiot. Um, But this is just one part of the much, much, much bigger story that I've been screaming my head off about. I've been trying to warn people about for years. It is coming. And so let's expand this picture greatly. What else is going on in the world right now? Uh, Taiwan set to start receiving Javelin missiles in 2023. A huge change in the status quo in what has for many years been envisioned as the potential flashpoint of a U.S.-China military war. Um, But it doesn't end there. Uh, We can also go to Channel News Asia. China warns Philippine-U.S. base deal endangering regional peace. Yes, Philippines has just cut a deal for four additional military bases to be used by U.S. troops in, uh, in the Philippines, really in the South China Sea. Um, which puts it right on China's doorstep. Um, but, okay, so what's the counter to all this NATO? Because, of course, yes, NATO is growing and enlarging and using the crisis to grow its power. I wonder if there's a mirror image to this going on. Oh, that's right. Saudi Arabia decides to join the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, which, as the clued in corporate reporters in the crowd know, of course, the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, the mirror image of NATO, that they are trying to build up as some sort of counter-NATO. It hasn't really done much to this point, but it is growing. And you will know about that if you remember back to, say, my 2012 report on Meet the... uh, Sorry, 2011 report on Meet the Shanghai Cooperation Organization. I'll throw the link in the show notes in case you need to re-familiarize yourself with that report. Um, But it doesn't end there, because it's not just the military moves that we're seeing on the geopolitical chessboard right now. It's also, of course, the underlying monetary infrastructure of the planet is being rewired right now. The latest examples of that come from, for example, The Hill. Saudi Arabia reportedly considering accepting yuan instead of dollar for oil sales, which... If people have been clued into anything that's been happening the last couple of decades, that's usually a good sign that the bombs are going to start raining very soon. Um, or you could turn to uh, republicworld.com. India announces trade settlement in rupees with Malaysia gives blow to dollar hegemony. And it's all, okay, so Saudi Arabia is talking about yuan, the petrol yuan, and India is going to interact in rupees. It's almost like there's some sort of coordinated effort going on. Oh, that's right. Uh, Kitco has this story. Uh, Ditch the dollar movement grows as Moscow calls for the creation of a common BRICS currency. Yay, we're going to fight the globalists by creating another big regional global governmental structure. So State Duma Deputy Chairman Alexander Babakov is encouraging the creation of a new common currency between Russia, India, and the other BRICS nations as a way to push back against the U.S. dollar hegemony. And what what form would this take, Mr. Babakov? Uh, new Delhi, Mo- Moscow, should institute a new economic association with a new shared currency, which could be a digital ruble or the Indian rupee. What? A digital ruble? Uh, uh, sorry, a digital ruble? What are you talking about? They, the, the Russians are fighting ag- against the New World Order, man. They're not trying to create it. But the digital ruble is different. Say the morons in the crowd or the bottom paid for shills for the bricks in the so-called alternative media. Anyway, 
This is the bigger picture of what's going on right now. Finland joining NATO is one tiny piece of this much bigger puzzle. All signs pointing to, at the very least, Cold War 2.0, but presumably something much bigger. And I have the palpable sense, I've had it for years, I know what it was like to be sitting there in 1910, 1911, 1912, 1913, 1914, watching all of the pieces of these military alliances and economic agreements and everything going into place and going, hey guys, something is coming. They are, they are prepping the chessboard for something. Something's going to happen here. And then an archduke gets assassinated and suddenly, hey, world war, everybody. So... Anyway, I hope people have their eyes on this ball. I'll throw all of those links in the show notes so people can uh, study up if you're if this is news to you. But anyway, just letting you know what's coming. I was just doing show prep for my tomorrow show for April 6th. And in that day in history, U.S. declares war on Germany in the Great World War Part One. Other much more recent news I've covered actually just this week on My Morning Monarchy, James. U.S. is sending old Abrams tanks to Ukraine. They'll have pride flags on them, so I'm sure the Democrats will be all, all on board for it. Meanwhile, far, far more sinister, the U.K. is sending depleted uranium rounds to Ukraine. Depleted uranium, chemical weapons, war crime. And I'm sure it's already, I believe, some of the some of the contests have already started. I'm sure NATO's song contest, Eurovision, will probably have something to say about all of these uh, latest moves and grooves, James. We'll move to our second story on this New World Next Week, episode 515, Disbelief, as the Green King gives royal assent to new gene breeding technology. We grabbed those from our friends at activistpost.com and one of the more shocking hypocrisies of this year so far, and it's a still a young year. Charles III, the King of England, King Chuck, considered to be a strong supporter of organic farming and environmental causes. We've known this in years past. He would always travel with his own organic chef while, of course, letting the plebes eat, eat the bugs. King Chuck has given his royal assent to a biotechnology innovation which will provide an open book for UK firms to alter the genome of animals and plants so as to create novel engineered species and biotech foods. In taking this step, King Chuck has committed an open act of betrayal on all bona fide farmers, and particularly organic farmers. The Genetic Technology Precision Breeding Act 2023 was given the royal go-ahead on 23rd March 2023. This piece of legislation will, for the time being, be unique to the United Kingdom, as such animal and plant biotech deformations are not allowed in the EU and many other countries. A secondary deception relates to the marketing of such novel recombinant DNA experiments, if that at all sounds familiar. The UK government has stated no separate definition will be given to gene technology engineered products, therefore no special labeling will be needed. The dark irony of the King of England launching unlabeled biotech foods, animals, and plants on the citizens of his own country is difficult to trump. Charles is already in conflict with the constitution of his country by standing shoulder to shoulder with Klaus in promoting the Great Reset, one of the main objectives of which is to render all nation states obsolete and to centralize all power with the control of a small despotic elite whose stated intention is to make all private property illegal, you'll own nothing, whether that's renting Adobe Photoshop or Uber or Airbnb. 
all private property illegal and to re-engineer human beings into transhuman cyborgs. You may have heard stuff about that in the news lately. Charles will be officially crowned monarch of the United Kingdom and, of course, all its slave crown colonies at his coronation in London on May 6, 2023. It's a Beltane tradition. James, I'm kind of, we're right here in the gnarly time of the Ides of March, basically, to May 1st. And, you know, that's when, you know, inbred royal kids like to get married and they shockingly ride out super boogie boogeyman super villains like Bin Laden. So, James, this is all coming up very soon. Crazy, isn't it? And, James, it occurs to me that when I'm explaining eugenics to people, I will often say, oh, this is the way that uh, people in... Uh, in the modern scientific era, give the justification for why certain people rule over others. It's it's your genes, man, because we've discarded the old royal idea of, oh, there's some special family that was chosen by God to rule over you or whatever. There's no special people like that anymore. We don't believe in that. But actually, and I often say, you know, it would be so much more comforting if there was that, the, the, the person living in the castle on the hill. That's that's your enemy, guys. Do you understand? Those are the people that are ruling over you. It would be so much easier than, than in this age where everybody's wearing the same business suit and they all look kind of the same and they talk the same. But no, actually, there still is the guy literally living up in the castle on the hill who literally believes himself to be of better blood than you and, and, and a special human being who deserves all of these wonderful fancy privileges. And we can scoff at the things that have been reported ad nauseum about... King Charles and his preferences and habits, like how his, his pajamas are pressed for him every morning, his shoelaces are pressed flat with an iron, the bath plug has to be in a certain position, and the water temperature has to be just tepid, or the cooks scrambling around in the morning making his breakfast, and they, they have to prepare dozens of eggs uh, because it has to be just the right consistency, so they'll prepare a number of different eggs and they'll number them, so that if the prince felt that number five was too runny, he could knock off the the top off of number six or seven. So he could go down the, the line in order to get just the right consistency of egg. Or we could laugh about how he travels the world with his orthopedic bed, his fresh linen, his radio, a chest of drawers, his personal toilet seat, rolls of Kleenex premium comfort toilet paper, and two landscapes of the Scottish Highlands. And understand the type of person that is presuming to rule over the plebs. But as you pointed out, the real hypocrisy here, at, at the heart of this particular story anyway, is that, yes, no, 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 King Charles doesn't just travel with a personal chef. He has numerous personal chefs who bring his own personal food supply everywhere he travels in the world. He doesn't eat other people's food. He only eats his own organic food. And they make a big deal about this in a lot of the, the coverage. The prince has often been noted for preferring fresh and organic food, which Carolyn noted as having incredible foresight about, blah, blah, blah. Um, or, uh, for example, he introduced organic food into all the royal palaces with support, a report suggesting he would arrive at Sandringham with armfuls of organic produce from Highgrove. Huh. So let me get this straight. King Charles is obsessed and will only eat organic food almost as if he knows something about the crap that is being shoveled down the gullets of the, the trusting plebes. It's almost like he knows something about this, and he wouldn't do it himself, but hey guys, good enough for you. Not for me, for you guys out there. This is the person who's launching the Great Reset on the world, and literally, it was 
King Prince Charles, who literally launched the Great Reset at the original Great Reset launch back in 2020 or whenever that was. That was this is the man who is doing this and who is now giving his royal assent, his, oh, okay, yes, good for the plebs, gene-edited food, whatever bio-produced, lab-produced crap you want to foist on the hoi polloi, that's fine. But I'm going to travel with my special personal chef, chef with my own personal organic ingredients. So keep that in mind, everybody. This is the person, this is the type of person who's doing it to you. And this is the absolute extreme of that. But this is the mentality of the eugenicists who are seeking to rule over you. So, hey, in this case, maybe, Maybe we should be more like King Charles. Organic food, specially prepared. Don't trust the crap that they are feeding you from the supermarkets. Maybe we should all be a little bit more like like the king in this case. Yeah. Do you, do you think he's having impossible burgers and plant-made bug cakes? Absolutely not. I, I certainly hadn't heard a bit of those stories. It almost sounds like he's an OCD nutball. James, I can't help but think of there's a show on NBC several years ago called 30 Rock that I find really kind of prescient and telling. They basically did it under the cover of the Obama years with jokes and blackface and things that they would never do now. They have an episode where some some weird, played by Paul Rubens, some basically inbred royal king is at some party and he's just, he's like a little puppet. And he's literally just like a ventriloquist doll that they kind of put Pee Wee Herman's head on. That's basically what I think of these people. I will include the link. Coronation of Charles III and Camilla on Wikipedia because of course it is a developing story. I think really good other points to make in these related agendas from foodsafetynews.com. Biden sees future in ag biotech. And of course, private jet flights tripled, CO2 emissions quadrupled since the scamdemic. Complete and utter hypocrisy. And finally, speaking of proclamations, our third and final story, the U.S. Senate votes to end the COVID-19 national emergency. We made it, you guys. The Senate last Wednesday passed a GOP, that is the Republican Party, led resolution that would end the COVID-19 national emergency that has been in place since 2020. The measure passed the upper chamber 68 to 23. A similar resolution sponsored by Senator Roger Marshall, a Republican from Kansas, passed the Senate last year, but that was controlled by the Pepsi, so it didn't go anywhere. This year, it passed the Republican-controlled House 229 to 197 with actually 11 Democrats joining all those Republicans. President Biden last year threatened to veto the measure. This year, he did not threaten a veto, but issued a statement of administration principles before the House vote objecting to the resolution. On Wednesday, he said he would sign the measure. And of course, here's the people who speak for him. The president strongly opposes H.J. Res 7, and the administration is planning to wind down the COVID national emergency and public health emergency on May 11th. If the bill comes to his desk, however, he will sign it and the administration will continue working with agencies to wind down the national emergency with as much notice as possible to Americans who could potentially be impacted, a White House official says, because they care about, they suddenly care about you being impacted. The national emergency is different from the public health emergency, though the White House say they will end both of these on May 11th if we can make it through the coronation and all that stuff, James. Under federal law, U.S. Congress has the power to cower on the floor when FBI informants with funny headgear are led into the Capitol by the cops. 
They can also ask for periodic votes to terminate a national emergency. President Biden used the powers under the National Emergency Declaration as the underpinning for his um, student loan forgiveness plan, which is currently, of course, tied up in court as it is wildly unconstitutional. The initial declaration allowed heck of a job, FEMA, to mobilize personnel to support state and local agencies as they work to combat the virus. The move also allowed FEMA to access billions of dollars. That's where the action is. In completely unrelated news, James, America launders $276 billion in scamdemic relief funds. They call it fraud and waste. It's not a bug, it's the feature. And then, of course, this week, which people are probably yelling at us this whole time, why are you talking about it? Then this week, they totally arrested the bad guy, the guy that they foisted the germ warfare upon so that then when he reacted the way that he wanted them to, they hate Orange Man, but man, they love his MAGA jabs. Man, are you still talking about COVID? (laughs) Face it, man, they got us. Get over it. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'll see your May 11th and I'll raise you a May 8th because apparently Japan is going to end its COVID-19 border controls on May 8th. Yes, to this very day, you still need proof of at least three vaccinations or a PCR test from the last 72 hours in order to declare yourself fit to enter Japan. But don't worry, guys, on May 8th, apparently they're planning on scrapping that. So... There you go. Oof. Yay. Getting getting ahead of the times there, Japan. Um, absolute. Yeah, this is this is it in a nutshell. Okay, so I've said this throughout the entire generated crisis. I will continue to say it. The entire point of what we have lived through is precedent setting. They wanted this precedent wired in. They wanted to train the population. When we say two weeks to flatten the curve. You guys all get it. scramble into your houses and do whatever we say. You take whatever medical interventions we say. We we get to enforce that. We, we get to create laws about it. And maybe those laws will be struck down later. Mandates will be struck down by the courts, whatever. But in that time period, what are you going to do? You're going to lose your job and potentially go homeless? No, you're going to do it, whatever we say. That is what this was always about. And uh, they at, at, at precisely they po- the point at which they feel they have successfully implemented that precedent, then, boop, yeah, don't worry, guys. You see, you're back to your little lives. You, you continue scurrying along until we tell you otherwise. That's what this was always about. So uh, I, I, I see it similar to the Freedom Convoy Emergency Act implementation. Again, yeah, they only did it for, uh, don't worry, it was just for a week or so. And yeah, they they froze some bank accounts and that lasted several months. But whatever, guys, get over it. That was so last year. Now here's something else to think about. Anyway, so to the extent that they have succeeded in setting this precedent, and I don't see any leaders getting hauled before any courts being tried for crimes against humanity for the the actions that they committed in helping to commit this atrocity on the human race. So, hey, looks like looks like they did win, huh? Man, back in Oregon, they have now overturned the vaccine mandate. They forced people to get this. And this is like we said, couple years, maybe a couple months will go by. What? Uh, We didn't have to. They now didn't have to. That thing you were going to kill everybody with, now it's totally cool. 
Imagine how pissed some of those people must be that were forced, tricked, cajoled, threatened into going along with this, only to have a few more months go by and be like, ah, it's, it's fine. I think so much of it is about, it's about humiliation. It's about embarrassing people and making them feel dumb and stupid and small that they fell for it or that they didn't fall. Either way, I think it's all meant to kind of psychologically traumatize the public. And as you're talking about precedents, it's not, not just the government precedents, but it's the psychological precedents that have been set. And it's a shame. And that's what we've been sad about here the last three years is what's happened to our friends and family. But we're the crazy ones still talking about it. Right, James? <sighs> Newworldnextweek.com. DVDs, shirts, hats, USBs, and more. That supports both of our work. And the P.O. Box does as well. Also, I'm a radio station streaming news, music, memes, and more Monday through Friday, 9 to 5 Mountain Time at MediaMonarchy.com. James, that is New World Next Week. By my count, episode 515. Yeah, and everyone at home who's playing the New World Next Week drinking game can take one big shot because the New World Next Week sigh is definitely... <laughs> At the end there. All right. <laughs> Looking forward to doing it again, James. <laughs> Talk to you again soon. All right, buddy. Take care.